Hey, what a pleasure now to be with you all, red, white, and blue jeans and boots. I mean, that's just how we roll down here in Texas. But happy Independence Day. All right. Now, I will tell you also, there's uh, some other importance about this date. Uh, it was on July the 4th of 1867 that the Republican Party of Texas was founded on this date by 150 black men down in Houston. Pretty amazing history. And uh, my wife, uh, she shares some history with this date because it was on July the 4th of 1958 when her mother and father were, uh, were married. And uh, her dad is buried at Arlington National Cemetery because he did 24 years of service to the United States Army, two tours of Vietnam. So they got married on Independence Day. Why? Because they wanted to come to America. And that's what we're going to talk about. Because I think too often we don't really understand what the nature of the, or the essence of the United States of America really is. And George Santayana back in 1928 said that those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And Winston Churchill also said the exact same thing. So I think it's so important we go back and understand what the Judeo-Christian faith heritage means to the establishment of the United States of America. Because one of the things you have to realize, there is no other nation, no other country, no other place in the world that was established on a belief that the individual is sovereign. And the reason why the individual is sovereign in the United States of America is because you get your rights from a sovereign God. And if we ever forget that, and if we allow people to try to replace God with a big G, as I always say, with government with a little g, then we're going to lose the essence of who we are as America. So let's start out with a couple of Bible verses here. Matthew 27, verses 50 and 51. Matthew 27, verses 50 and 51. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Then you turn over to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, what did we just sing? There is liberty, there is freedom. So what is the importance, what's the relevance of those two verses to where we are today? Understand, when our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ gave his life, he came here so that we could have eternal salvation. But the real important thing about why he came here, which is tied to that verse, the veil was torn. Because the Holy of Holies was kept behind a veil. And only certain people could go around behind the Holy of Holies and have intercession with God on the behalf of others. But see, when God sent his only begotten son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to be here with us to give his life, he made it so that we don't need anyone to intercede for us to go to the Father. And so when he gave up his spirit, the veil was torn so that we all, much the same as Moses and God, they parted the seas, we could part the veil. And we could go and we could have a relationship. We could have communion. We could be a part. We can sup with the Lord. We can touch the Holy of Holies because now we're sovereign. 
His precious blood has flowed over us, and that cleansed us so that we can go behind the veil. Because before that, only certain people could go behind the veil. They had to cleanse themselves and do all this ritual stuff. Jesus took care of all that ritual stuff so that we could have that. But see, man still is always looking for dominion over others. So even though we see that in the scriptures, the church stepped in and said, well, you know, you still kind of need us. Now imagine if we came into church today and there was a big old sign out there in the foyer that said, Bill of Services. Pastor Chris and Pastor Terry. Because, you know, we believe in the free market and they got to compete a little bit. So, so, you know, kids, if you tell a little white lie to your parents, maybe that's 50 cents for Pastor Chris to pray over. Now, if you go out there and commit, you know, you steal something, maybe, I don't know, $100, $200. You go out there and commit adultery, ooh, maybe that's like $1,000, $2,000. Because that's what indulgences were. Indulgences were that you had to pay somebody to go and intercede on your behalf to God. Because you weren't allowed to do that. You could not have that relationship. Even though the Bible says that he was our intercessor. That he parted. He tore the veil. So think about on October the 31st of 1517. Or Germanic monk. A guy by the name of Martin Luther comes up with this goofy idea that every single one of you has the right to go and have spiritual liberty. That you do not need someone else to intercede for you, that you can go and do that yourself. And whoa, the status quo wasn't happy about that. That became known as a protest when he nailed those 95 theses on the door at the church of Wittenberg, saying that here are the grievances that we have against the church. And think about what that set in motion. Because it wasn't too long after that, we got the Gutenberg Press. And what was the most popular book that the Gutenberg Press was printing out? The Bible. Because all of a sudden, Martin Luther established, by the way of the Protestant Reformation, that each and every one of you did indeed have a relationship with God. Because that was part of your spiritual liberty. And that's what you have to understand, is that what Martin Luther got going in 1517 created a spark, which is the reason why you're here today in this incredible nation that we call these United States of America. Now why? Who took that to the next step? It was an English political philosopher by the name of John Locke. John Locke, in 1689, challenged the status quo also. John Locke began to think, now, if man can actually have a right to go to God for his spiritual liberty, then why does he need to go to anyone for any of his liberties? Because the prevailing theory of the day was what was called divine rights theory. Divine rights theory said that a king, a queen, a duke, a duchess, a prince, a princess, whatever, this, this feudal system where you had lords, you had serfs, and they were the ones that determined your liberty, your buy and your leave, where you could go, what you could have. But John Locke said no. 
in his own natural state of existence, man has the right to be able to go out and pursue his, what did he write in the second treatise of government in 1689? Your inalienable rights that come from the creator God of life, of liberty, and of property. Now, who do you think, when they were tasked 245 years ago to write the document that would establish this incredible nation, who do you think that astute gentleman from Virginia picked up and read? He read John Locke's two treatises of government, especially the second treatise of government, which talked about natural rights theory as opposed to the divine rights theory. And so therefore, Thomas Jefferson wrote those impeccable words that we do hold these truths to be self-evident. That's why we just sang the song, his truth is marching on. That's why it says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so if we understand truth, we understand these fundamentals. And let me tell you something. What I'm talking to you about right now, your kids ain't getting. Some of y'all ain't getting. You know why I say some of y'all ain't getting? Because how did we get to the point here in the United States of America? All of a sudden, people are saying that the United States of America was not established on July the 4th of 1776. It was established in 1619. Not just a revision of history, but a complete elimination of history. And I think that if Thomas Jefferson could walk through these doors right now, first thing he would say, how did y'all mess that up? All the time that I spent, I went through about six different drafts of this thing called the Declaration of Independence. And now you're telling me that it, it all happened when a slave ship showed up? See, this is what happens when we don't share that history. This is what happens when we don't talk about these things. We lose that sense. We lose that essence of who we are. So that when Thomas Jefferson sits down and begins pondering and writing about the Declaration of Independence, he goes back and he thinks about natural rights theory. That here in the United States of America, your spiritual liberty is related to your earthly liberty. And your earthly liberty is grounded inside your spiritual liberty. Because that's what it says in 2 Corinthians 3 and 17, that the Lord is the spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is liberty. And if you ever try to extract that out, like, per se, you have seen with socialism, Marxism, communism, statism, totalitarianism, all of those isms, monarchialism, where you elevate man over God, where you elevate secular humanism over God, there is no liberty. It's the essence of tyranny. Because all of a sudden what you have done is you have gone back and you have allowed people to sew back up the veil that was torn. So you don't have that ability to go and touch the Holy of Holies. And that's what we are facing here in the United States of America right now, if you think about it. Because we have people that do no longer believe that the individual is sovereign. We have people that believe that it is the government which will dictate and mandate all the things and all the aspects of your life. And that's not what's supposed to be happening. When you think about church, we're allowing people to come out and profess this thing called separation of church and state. 
And they're completely reversing what Thomas Jefferson wrote in that letter to the Danbury Baptist Convention. First and foremost, the next time someone says, well, you know, that's a violation of separation of church and state that you got Colonel West up here speaking at your church, blah, 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 blah. Well, no, it's not, okay? Because what Thomas Jefferson wanted in that letter, he did not want us to have an established religion. He did not want us to have a head of state that became the head of church. He did not say you could not have a faith heritage. But yet we have people that are starting to believe that separation of church and state means that we eliminate, we get rid of the Judeo-Christian faith heritage in the United States of America. Why was that so important to the founders when they came here? It's very simple. How many people here have ever seen or heard of the uh, movie A Man for All Seasons? The story of Thomas More? Man, some of y'all, y'all got to check this out. This is an Academy Award winning film. This is back when Hollywood really made good movies, okay? <laughs> but remember, Thomas More was the first counselor to King Henry VIII. Very astute man. But all of a sudden, Thomas More and Henry VIII had a little falling out, had a little squabble. Because Henry all of a sudden decided, I want to get a divorce. I ain't down with this chick no more. I need a new queen. I need a new babe. And the church said, can't do it. Not go grant it. So what did Henry do? Henry created the Church of England. He created his own church. And he made himself the head of that church. And therefore, if you did not worship and bow down to King Henry, you were called a traitor, you were persecuted, you were prosecuted. I wanted you to check out a tape, a little video clip from that movie. This is the scene of the sentencing of Sir Thomas More, who went on to become St. Thomas More. Roll the video clip. My lords, I have done. The jury will retire and consider the evidence. Considering the evidence, it shouldn't be necessary for them to retire. Is it necessary? Then is the prisoner guilty or not guilty? Guilty, my lord. Thomas More, you have been found guilty of high treason. The sentence of the courts. My lords, when I was practicing law, the manner was to ask the prisoner before pronouncing sentence if he had anything to say. Have you anything to say? Yes. Since the court has determined to condemn me, God knoweth how, I will now discharge my mind concerning the indictment and the king's title. The indictment is grounded in an act of parliament which is directly repugnant to the law of God 
and his holy church, the supreme government of which no temporal person may by any law presume to take upon him. This was granted by the mouth of our Savior Christ himself to St. Peter and the bishops of Rome whilst he lived and was personally present here on earth. It is therefore insufficient in law to charge any Christian to obey it. And more than this, the immunity of the church is promised both in Magna Carta and in the king's own coronation oath. Now we plainly see you are malicious. Not so. I am the king's true subject, and I pray for him and all the realm. I do none harm. I say none harm. I think none harm. And if this be not enough to keep a man alive, then in good faith I long not to live. Nevertheless, it is not for the supremacy that you have sought my blood, but because I would not bend to the marriage. <laughs> found guilty of high treason. The sentence of the court is that you be taken from the court to the Tower of London. I want you to think about it. Thomas More was found guilty of high treason because he would not bow down to King Henry VIII as the head of church but he respected him as his king. Now, some of y'all know that Pastor Chris and Pastor Terry have brought Kelly Shackelford here previously of First Liberty. As a matter of fact, one of the lawyers for First Liberty, Keisha Russell, is here. Who would have ever thought that in these United States of America, we would have to have an organization that would go into court to advocate for your very first liberty that you have in the Bill of Rights of our Constitution, which is the freedom of religion and the free exercise thereof. Here in the United States of America, we have a new religion that is being put forth. It's the religion of same-sex marriage. It's the religion that says that God couldn't get Adam and Eve, man and woman, right? There's 60-something genders. I don't know what we're up to now. But you can choose to be whatever you want. And if you disagree with that, you have to be hauled in front of the court. You see Thomas More up there. But remember the baker from Colorado, Jack Phillips, who had to go before the highest court in the land, the Supreme Court, because he said, my faith, prevents me from baking the cake for your same-sex marriage? And the government came against him? See, we're already there, people. 
We're already there because we have forgotten that first and foremost is your spiritual liberty, then you get your earthly liberty. But if you eliminate your spiritual liberty, you will never have earthly liberty. You will have totalitarianism. You will have tyranny. And that's exactly what you saw there. And remember the final words of Thomas More before he was beheaded. He said, I die the king's servant, but the servant of Jesus, my Lord, first. That moment is coming for each and every one of you in these United States of America, in the great state of Texas, where you're going to have to do as Joshua said, choose for yourselves today whom you shall serve. Are you willing to go before the court? Are you willing, as Martin Luther did, are you willing to do as John Locke did, to challenge the status quo to protect your liberty? your spiritual and your earthly liberty. That's what today comes down to. Because if not, our children and our grandchildren may at some point in time in the future not have a July the 4th of 1776. Because some people are going to tell them that it was 1619. They will not ever understand the reason why this nation was created because it won't be taught to them. They will never understand their liberties and freedoms that they have because it won't be taught to them. So we all need to understand that this whole thing about liberty, if you're a Christian, you got to fight for it. Because if we don't stand up for spiritual liberty, if we allow God and our Christian faith to be removed from the public sphere, then you're going to lose your earthly liberty. John Adams asked that this day will be remembered with guns firing off, fireworks, with celebrations, with food and pageantry. But he also asked that this day will be remembered by every single person reading the Declaration of Independence, which is why they printed it out and they got it out there for people to read. So. Action of the Second Continental Congress. July the 4th, 1776. The unanimous declaration of the 13... United States of America. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, 
It is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence, indeed, will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. Accordingly, all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for the future security such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies, and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. The history of the present king of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. He has refused his assent to laws, the most wholesome and necessary for the public good. He has forbidden his governors to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance unless suspended in their operation till his assent should be obtained. And when so suspended, he has utterly neglected to attend to them. He has refused to pass other laws for the accommodation of large districts of people unless those people would relinquish the right of representation in the legislature, a right inestimable to them and formidable to tyrants only. He has called together legislative bodies at places unusual, uncomfortable, and distant from the depository of their public records for the sole purpose of fatiguing them into compliance with his measures. He has dissolved representative houses repeatedly for opposing with manly firmness his invasions on the rights of the people. He has refused for a long time after such disillusions to cause others to be elected, whereby the legislative powers incapable of annihilation have returned to the people at large for their exercise. The state remaining in the meantime exposed to all the dangers of invasion from without and convulsions within. He has endeavored to prevent the population of these states for the purpose of obstructing the laws for naturalization of foreigners, refusing to pass others to encourage their migrations hither, and raising the conditions of new appropriations of lands. He has obstructed the administration of justice by refusing his assent to laws for establishing judiciary powers. He has made judges dependent on his will alone for the tenure of their offices and the amount and payment of their salaries. He has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. He has kept among us in times of peace, standing armies without the consent of our legislatures. 
He is affected to render the military independent of superior and superior to the civil power. He is combined with others to subject us to a jurisdiction foreign to our Constitution and unacknowledged by our laws giving assent to their acts of pretended legislation. For quartering large bodies of armed troops amongst us, for protecting them by a mock trial from punishment for any murders which they should commit on the inhabitants of these states, for cutting off our trade with all parts of the world, for imposing taxes on us without our consent, for depriving us, in many cases, of the benefits of trial by jury, for transporting us beyond seas to be tried for pretended offenses, for abolishing the free system of English laws in a neighboring province, establishing therein an arbitrary government and enlarging its boundaries so as to render it at once an example and fit instrument for introducing the same absolute rule into these colonies, for taking away our charters, abolishing our most valuable laws, and altering fundamentally the forms of our governments, for suspending our own legislatures and declaring themselves invested with power to legislate for us in all cases whatsoever. He has abdicated government here by declaring us out of his protection and waging war against us. He has plundered our seas, ravaged our coasts, burnt our towns, and destroyed the lives of people. He is, at this time, transporting large armies of foreign mercenaries to complete the works of death, desolation, and tyranny already begun with circumstances of cruelty and perfidy scarcely unparalleled in the most barbarous ages and totally unworthy the head of a civilized nation. He has constrained our fellow citizens taken captive on the high seas to bear arms against their country, to become the executioners of their friends and brethren, or to fall themselves by their hands. He has excited domestic insurrections amongst us and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers the merciless Indian savages whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions. In every stage of these oppressions we have petitioned for redress in the most humble terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury. A prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. Nor have we been wanting in attentions to our British brethren. We have warned them from time to time of attempts by their legislature to extend an unwarrantable jurisdiction over us. We have reminded them of the circumstances of our immigration and settlement here. We have appealed to their native justice and magnanimity, and we have conjured up the ties of our common kindred to disavow these usurpations, which would inevitably interrupt our connections and correspondence. They too have been deaf to the voice of justice and of consanguinity. We must therefore acquiesce in the necessity which denounces our separation and hold them as we hold the rest of mankind 
enemies in war, and peace, friends. We therefore, the representatives of the United States of America, in general Congress, assembled appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, do in the name and by authority of the good people of these colonies solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are of right ought to be free and independent states that they are absolved of all allegiance to the british crown and that all political connection between them and the state of great britain is and ought to be dissolved and that as free and independent states, they have full power to levy war, to conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and to do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. God bless America. There's a little something else that I want to share with you. And this was given to me by a gentleman that attends church here. It's a prophetic statement. He gave this to me on my 60th birthday, which happened to be on a Sunday right here, 7th February of this year. And here is the prophetic, prophetic vision and words. God has given you a word. He's given you a season. He's given you a time, and that season is upon you. The word has been confirmed. That time is now. His mandate and assignment that has been placed upon you specifically has shifted into the seasoned timing of eternity. The alignment has become conducive with your next move, your next action, your next decision. Though a comfortable place has been prepared during the season of waiting, he knows you thrive in uncomfortable places. And he has prepared the way, the means, the avenue, and the support. Your enemies have increased the numbers around you. However, as in the days of Israel, being outnumbered, as in the days of Gideon, so too shall you overtake the opposition with such a force of minimal support. Because God is with you. Yes, it is the season, the time of advancement. There's a video to share with you all. Texas, our Texas. All hail our mighty state. Texas, our Texas. So wonderful, so great boldest and grandest, withstanding every test, 
O empire wide and glorious, you stand supremely blessed. God bless you, Texas, and keep you brave and strong so that you may grow in power and worth throughout the ages long. God bless you, Texas, and keep you brave and strong so that you may grow in power and worth throughout the ages long. That's the state song of the Lone Star State. But when you think about those words, how do we protect those words? How do we secure those words? How do we ensure and guarantee those words for future generations of Texans? We do that by one single word, and that's legacy. Why is a guy born in Georgia and went to the University of Tennessee so passionate about the great state of Texas? Well, think about some other people who came from Georgia some time ago, that even though those words were not written, they would leave an imprint on the history of Texas to ensure those words would be written. Men like the first Vice President of the Republic of Texas, Mirabeau Lamar, Colonel James Fannin, who stood and was massacred with his men at La Bahia, or even the first Secretary of War for the Republic of Texas, Thomas Jefferson Rusk. You think about all of those Tennessee volunteers who came here. And when you step up there on Rocky Top, as we affectionately call the University of Tennessee Knoxville campus, you understand the history. You understand the reason why we are called Tennessee Volunteers. The first president of the Republic of Texas, Sam Houston from Tennessee. 30 some odd members from Tennessee whose names are etched on the cenotaph, the memorial of those who laid down their lives at the Alamo after those 13 glorious days so that we could sing that song. And of course, being a former member of Congress, I share a little something with another former member of Congress. The person that history tells us was the last to die at the Alamo, a gentleman by the name of Davy Crockett. But it's not just that legacy of being born in Georgia and, and attending the University of Tennessee, it's the legacy of being a black Republican. Our Republican Party of Texas was founded on Independence Day of 1867 by 150 black men. Its first black chairman was Norris Wright Cooney, a black businessman from Galveston. We think about the legacy of early pioneers in Texas politics, such as State Senator Matthew Gaines, who was instrumental in the founding of Prairie View A&M University and Texas A&M University. State Senator Gaines is buried at Texas A&M University. Or how about G.T. Ruby? All these men who were born into slavery, but somehow they understood the liberty and freedom that was worth fighting for and standing up for here in Texas so that those words of our state song would carry on throughout the ages. So now it is our time. It is our time to stand up and honor those words of Texas, our Texas, and to secure the future for our children and our grandchildren to make sure that the growth, the opportunity, and the prosperity, the economic success that you see here in Texas continues on. To make sure that the rich blessings that we have of energy resources, not the subjection to the Green New Deal, that means that we stay energy independent. And we fuel America 
so that we're not dependent on other nations, other nations that are our enemies. To make sure that we protect our borders, to ensure that Texas is for Texans, we have to secure that future. Secure the future and the safety and security of our children and grandchildren. We cannot live in a state that is the number one state for human and sex trafficking in the United States of America. That's not how we protect our children and our legacy. Those are the things that we need to have in our leadership of this great Lone Star State to protect that legacy. There comes a time when a warrior understands that maybe he has to go back and pull out that sword and do the exact same thing that a 26-year-old did at the Alamo. Yes, William Barrett Travis, when he drew a line in the sand and he challenged the defenders of the Alamo to stand on the right side of that line. I am now drawing my sword and I will draw that line in the sand and I will ask you to stand with me to preserve the future, the legacy of Texas, to honor the words of our state song, to stand for something, or as my mother would say, not fall for anything. This is our moment in time. I have not been in elected political office for about a decade, but I can no longer sit on the sidelines and see what is happening in these United States of America, what is happening in the place that I call home, where my daughters will raise their families, where my young grandson, Jackson Bernard, will grow up as a proud Texan. It's time for Grandpa to step up and once again find his place on the ramparts of freedom and liberty, just like those Georgians and Tennesseans did many years ago for those 13 days at the Alamo. Join us in this fight. I am Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, proud son of Herman West and Elizabeth Thomas West, both buried in Marietta National Cemetery in Marietta, Georgia, because of their service to this nation. You have asked me to come back into service for God, for country, and for Texas, for a time such as this. And that's why I'm running to be your governor of the Lone Star State, so that we can protect and defend our home, the republic that we call Texas. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I couldn't think of a better place and a better day than to make that announcement. And I would just ask that you will pray over my family because you know the attacks are coming. But Isaiah 54, 17 says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Let's stand up for God, for country, and for Texas. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we congratulate you on your decision to run. We're going to take some time to pray for you. Pastor Terry, would you join me up here? Uh, Angela, would you come? Actually, we're going to bring the whole family. You guys, just all the family come up. We're going to we'll pray for you guys.
Let's give them a hand as they make their way up here to the front. Stand here, and we, you stretch your hands out toward them, and we'll and we'll pray. Pastor Terry and I pray. We gotta gotta wait for Jackson. Jackson's coming. He's the man. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Would you stretch I, your hands? Oh, I, go ahead. I, I bored him so he's asleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's pray. Lord, we thank you uh, for who you are, and we do thank you for freedom. And we do ask, Lord, that your word says this, that you give your angels charge over us and that they'll bear us up with their hands so we wouldn't even dash our feet against a stone. So we thank you, Lord, for the people, Lord, that, uh, that you call to be around and also, Lord, the people that you're uh, engaging at this hour. So we thank you, Lord, that you are the one that we trust in. And we thank you, Lord, that your plans and your purposes, you know the plans that you have, Lord, for the West family. You said that. You know them. Give them a future and a hope. And we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in them and through them. And we love and bless you. And we know, Lord, that you're working all things together for good. Oh, Lord, we know that we can trust you. You're working all things together for good for those that love you and are called according to your purposes. And so we thank you, Lord, for that. Father, we ask you to strengthen them with your might in the inner man. We thank you, Lord, that you've called them for a time such as this, and we just bless them. I pray, Lord, that you protect them and keep them and strengthen them. And we just thank you, Lord, for men and women that stand strong for you. We love you, Lord, and we bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you guys so much. Thank you.